Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. Can I ask you all a question? Have you, guys ever, have you guys ever had one of those dreams that when you wake up, when you wake, you wake up thinking to yourself, what just happened? Or, huh? I'll give you an example, maybe three examples because that's what I have in my talk. Example number one, I have this reoccurring dream happens once a month where I'm back in high school, which is a nightmare, and then and, and I'm in my soccer jersey, and I'm back on the field, and my teammates are there, and my coach is on the bench yelling at me, and the crowd is cheering my name. That's not a dream, by the way. That actually happened in high school. The chant was like, Big G, Little O, go Emilio. Usually I was on the bench when they would cheer that, but don't worry about that. That's just a minor detail. And so in my dream, I have the ball at my feet. I beat a defender because that's what I do. And then I take a ball, I take a touch to the outside, I rear back, and I shank the shot. I shank it. Like even my subconscious, like Amelia, don't get crazy. You can't make that shot. I'm just, it's, it hurts my feelings that my subconscious doesn't believe in me. Here's number two. This will happen to you guys when you're older. I have this reoccurring nightmare where I'm walking into a classroom, and it's usually my calculus class, which is why it's a nightmare. I'm allergic to numbers. And and so I get there to my desk, and there it is, a test. Not just a test, the test that will determine whether I graduate college or not. It's going to determine the rest of my life. And I know, I don't know the answers. And so I wake up in this panic. I wake up sweating. I'm, like, I'm waking up like, all right, I need to start studying. And then my wife just like slaps me across the face. She goes, you graduated college 11 years ago. Like, you're okay. Once I had this dream that God spoke to me. And this isn't like a joke. I really believe that he spoke to me in the dream. Uh, it was about uh, years ago. I, can't, I don't do math. And, and uh, my wife was, was pregnant with our first child, with our, our, our first. And we were in Costa Rica, and she was about eight weeks pregnant. And I have this dream, and it's just me and my wife. And then everything kind of goes dark in this dream, except for this about, about a five-year-old girl with long brown hair, green eyes. And then I just hear this voice that just says, Emilio, that's your little girl. And I remember waking up, and I'm like, hope, 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 baby, 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 baby. She's like, what? It's like, we're going to have a little girl. She's like, shut up. I was like, I will not shut up. And I didn't for seven weeks, because in seven weeks from that point, we're going to have the ultrasound, and the ultrasound was going to affirm my dream. And the ultrasound, the ultrasound happens, and we find out she's pregnant with my oldest little girl, Isabel Maria, who has brown hair and green eyes. I'm just saying that happened. That happened. Dreams are powerful. Dreams have a way of just kind of setting the tone for your day and sometimes setting the tone for the rest of your life. I, I, I can't help but think about dreams and I think about the incredible things that are happening in the Middle East, even right now as we speak. There are thousands of people who are coming to know Christ because they have an encounter with him in their dreams. Like they're going to bed lost. They have a dream, they have a vision where they encounter Jesus and they wake up found. Dreams are powerful. And so today we're going to talk about one of these dreams. We're going to talk about this dream that happens that 
doesn't just impact Daniel. It doesn't just impact Nebuchadnezzar. But, as we'll see in this text, it will impact us in eternity. You ready? But before I do that, before I get into Daniel chapter 2, let me sum up what happened last week. Because if you weren't here, you guys need to know that last week we, we introduced ourselves to Daniel. Daniel was a guy about your age. He was about your age, and he was one of the best and the brightest in all of Judah. And, and when he was about your age, King Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon came, and they invaded Judah. And one of the things that they did was assimilate their culture, their idea, their beliefs into the lives of of the Israelites, of the lives of Daniel and his friends. And one of the things that they did was they would offer Daniel and his friends the king's food, the best of the best. And Daniel said, no. He said, what, what, God's, what God's got for me is better. And so he, he talks to the, to, the, to the king's servants. He's like, listen, I, I'm sure that food's great, but like, I just want some veggies. Let me get that cup of water. And, and, and they're like, well, you know, the king's not going to be happy about this. And, and he goes, no, no, just give me a 10-day trial, 10 days We'll see what happens. Let's just see what happens. And sure enough, after 10 days, Daniel and his friends are better in appearance. They're fatter in flesh. And and it's all because he said no to what Babylon had to offer because he knew that what God offered was better. And we're reminded, like our takeaway from this, is that we are called to be determined to say no often to what the world offers us because we know that what God offers is better. Because we know that what God offers is eternal life through Jesus. But, but the thing is, we're still pulled in this direction. We're still pulled by, by what the world has to offer. So often we're focused on the right now. We're focused on what's right in front of us that we can't look further than that. We don't recognize this truth. And this is going to sum up the rest of my talk. We don't recognize this truth that God has authority over all. And so my prayer tonight, even, even as I share, even as I read this word, my prayer is that our eyes and our hearts will be open and that we will walk out of here not just knowing this truth that God has authority, but living out of this truth, living on this biblical worldview, standing on, on this ground knowing that God has authority over everything. So we're going to be in Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 2 tonight. And, and just like, like last week, we'll pull a few truths, we'll have an application, but Daniel 2 is, is a long chapter. And so if I read every verse, this would be a 45-minute talk. And let's be honest, you don't want that. And I don't want to see you guys falling asleep during my talk. That would hurt my feelings. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to sum up a lot of what's happening, and then I'm going to pull some key verses from it, okay? So here's what's going on. The year is 604 BC. We're in the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign. This is year two in, in, his, in his reign. And he has gone to bed, and he has woken up, and his spirit is troubled. Why? Because he's had one of those dreams. He's had a dream where he woke up, and he just realized there's something different about this dream. Something's just not quite sitting right with him. And his spirit is troubled. And because he's the king, when a king's in trouble, what they do is they gather people, and so he gathers the wise men, he, he gathers the best magicians, he gathers the best sorcerers, and he goes, hey guys, I need your help right now. I had this dream, and I need you to interpret it. And they're like, okay. He goes, oh, but here's the catch. I forgot to mention this. If you can't interpret it, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and so here's, the, the, here's what they do. The, the, the wise men, the magicians, the sorcerers, they look at the king, and they're like, 
they're stalling. They're stalling right now. They're like, I mean, there's not a man on earth who can interpret, who can interpret this dream. Am I right? He goes, yeah, you're probably right. But the king is a man of his word. And he puts out a decree, says, all the wise men, all the magicians, all the sorcerers, they must be destroyed. Like it even says in Daniel 2, they should be torn limb from limb. No big deal. No big deal. I'm just going to kill you now. So what happens is, is he sends out the captain, he sends out the decree, and these soldiers are running around, the gathering the wise men, the magicians, the sorcerers. Amongst these wise men is Daniel. Now he wasn't in the room when the king made the decree, so he, he pulls over the captain. He goes, hey, hey, what's, what's going on? What's, everyone's running around. What's happening? And the captain says, man, Daniel, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, king ordered me to destroy you and everybody. Sorry about that. And so Daniel does what Daniel does. Is he stands up. He stands up and he says, hey, you know what? You know what? Before, before you go around killing everybody, can, let me just have an audience with the king. Like, let me just get in front of the king real quick. And so the captain is like, okay. I don't know why he says okay, but he does. But before Daniel meets with the king, he does this. And we'll pull this from, from, uh, from Daniel 2, starting in verse 17. It says, then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are his three friends, his companions. And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. So what happens is Daniel goes not just to his friends, but he goes to God. He seeks mercy from the only one who can give mercy. He seeks mercy from the one that he knows because he has a relationship with God, because he stands in this biblical worldview, because he knows he's a citizen of heaven. He goes to the one who has authority over all, the one that has authority to give mercy, to grant mercy, the, the one who has authority to be able to reveal the mystery of the dream. But he also does this. He, he's not just asking mercy for himself or for his three friends, but he's asking mercy He's interceding on behalf of the other wise men, of the other magicians and the sorcerers. And here's, here's where it comes to you. We are called to do the same thing. We are called to pray for each other and to pray for the lost because God has authority over all. You see, Daniel does this. He's interceding for everybody. So Daniel is a type of Christ. I don't know if you know this. He's a, he's a type of Christ in the Bible. There's only three men. From Genesis to Revelation, there's three men who, who are described without any flaws. Jesus, big surprise, Joseph, and Daniel. So he's a type of Christ, but here's the thing. He's, he's interceding on their, behalf, on their behalf as a type of Christ. We get to intercede on behalf of our friends, of our lost friends. We get to intercede to the Christ, to the one who sits at the right hand of the Father, to the one who's interceding not only on our behalf, but on behalf of the ones that we are praying for. We are called to intercede. We are called to ask for mercy, not just for ourselves, but for our friends and loved ones as well. So then after Daniel cries out, God reveals the mystery to him. He tells Daniel, like, here's, here's an interpretation. Here's what this dream means. And then Daniel prays again, but this time giving thanks and praising God. And then he meets with the king. He meets with the king, and then he essentially confirms what those other wise men said. He's like, hey, king, they're right. There's, there's no man on earth that can interpret this dream. 
But I serve the God of the heavens. I serve the God who has authority over all, including dreams. And he has revealed the mystery to me to share to you. And here's the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Essentially, it's this. He had this dream of this great figure, a statue. I want you all to picture it with me, this big statue, and its head is made of gold. And in the statue, the arms and the chest are made of silver. Its core, the torso, its thighs made of bronze, and the legs and the feet of iron with clay. So that's the statue. Kind of weird, but it's his dream, not mine. And then he says that there's this mountain, and a stone is cut from the mountain, but not by the hands of man. And the stone will come, and it falls on top of the statue, destroying it, shattering it. Pieces are going everywhere. So that's the dream. So here's the interpretation. Daniel says, hey, king, that that head of gold, that's, that's you. That's Babylon, the great kingdom. But that arms, the chest made out of silver, that's a lesser king, kingdom, but it's one that's going to come after. And, and then the, the torso of bronze, that's another lesser kingdom. And, and the iron legs, that's another lesser kingdom that are going to come after. And then he starts talking about the stone. And here's what he says, starting in verse 44. He says, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. So here's the second truth. That God's kingdom will come because God has authority over all. But keep in mind, I don't know if you guys were at church this morning, but Randy Pope, Pastor Randy Pope talked about two kingdoms. Talked about a heavenly kingdom and an earthly kingdom. God has authority over both. God's authority has no boundaries. His kingdom has no boundaries. Think about Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what we're talking about right now is is God's heavenly kingdom. This stone, this great mountain represents his heavenly kingdom that's going to come and is going to destroy the kingdoms. It's going to destroy everything that we know right now in front of us. And, And his kingdom, his word, his love is going to spread. And it's going to cover the world and every tribe and every tongue and every nation will know his name. Hey, guys, that's why we're doing the 610. We're not doing the 610 because it's some cool initiative that we thought of randomly or some cool movement or we're trying to put Watershed and Perimeter Church on any type of map. We're doing the 610 because we're praying for that stone to come, to fall on Northview, that the gospel would become so real to that school, to the communities, that it would spread. We're praying for his kingdom to come. We're praying, Matthew 6.10, that his kingdom come, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for that to fall on Northview. Not for just Northview's sake, but for the sake of our community. Because we're praying that it would spread to Chattahoochee, and then to Johns Creek, Centennial, South Forsyth, Duluth, Norcross, Lambert, Wesleyan, Providence, Every school, we're praying that his kingdom would come and that it would spread. We're praying for an awakening. 
We're praying for revival. We're praying that people's eyes would be open to the truth that not only does God have authority over all, but he loves us all. And this is cool too. It's that God desires to use you and me to spread his kingdom. Because as citizens of heaven, as citizens of his heavenly kingdom that is going to come, God delights in using you to bring people to him. To bring people face to face with Jesus. Because we know and we believe that when people come face to face with Jesus, Jesus does incredible things. We are called as citizens to live differently, to pray differently, to love differently so that other people can be different with us. That's why we're doing the 610. We're called to do the 610. We're not just praying for one month. Really the prayer is that that would be our heart every day for our friends, for our loved ones, for those who don't know Jesus, that they would be awakened to him, to his love. And maybe God will use you to do that. And here's the last truth. God honors Daniel, and he honors us, not because of our faithfulness, but because of his faithfulness. Daniel 2.46, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel, and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. And then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. So Daniel showed strength and courage, and he stood up for what he believed. He stood up for his friends, for his companions, risking his life, risking death. But because of God's faithfulness, the mystery is revealed. He interprets the dream, and he's given gifts, and he's, he's given the opportunity to rule over the province and over the wise men. Now, for us, as citizens of heaven, we're called, like Daniel, to stand up, to be bold in our faith. To be bold because we serve a God who has authority over everything. But our reward might not be gifts. Our reward might not be us ruling over our friends, although if it is, that'd be pretty cool. No, our reward is greater. Our reward is that we get to spend eternity with the Father in heaven forever and ever. Amen. And part of that reward is that we get to bring people alongside with us to do the same. Now, Satan's done a great job of convincing us that this world is better, that the things this world has to offer is better. But my prayer, like I said earlier, my prayer for you, for me, is that as we walk out those doors, we'd be reminded that what God has to offer is better because God has authority over everything. And if he has authority over all, chances are his all is better than anything else. So here's my challenge. This is it, one challenge. My challenge to you is this. Will you be a citizen of heaven who when that rock comes, when that stone comes and that mountain grows, because it will, 
Will you be the type of person who's going to help it spread? Would you be willing to be so bold like Daniel that you would pray for your friends, that you would intercede on their behalves? Would you be so bold as to share your faith, to share the gospel with your loved one? Would you pray for Northview? Would you pray for your school? Would you invite people to come face-to-face with Jesus? Would you invite people to come to wash on November 7th? Or Or you can just sit there. And that's fine, but we're called to more. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you. We give you all the praise as Daniel did. We praise you because you are a God of mercy. You are a God of love, and you are a God who has authority over all. Your love, your, your kingdom has no boundaries. And Lord, we just come to you humbly as your servants. We pray that you would use us. Lord, that people would come to know you and be a part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would use watershed to do incredible things. Lord, not because of our own faithfulness, but because of yours. Jesus, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.